Are you prepared to navigate today's bond markets for your clients? With decades of experience, MFS has helped advisors uncover fixed income investment opportunities through volatile markets. Learn more at MFS.com. Awesome. Love Talk Radio. And finish. Yep. Bravo. Perfect timing. That's uh, that's getting it done. From one job to another, as the music plays, life is about fleeting temporal moments leading us to the inevitable darkness. Welcome to Turf Show Radio, everybody. It's your boy, Turk K. In here with Bravo. At Seattle Rams underscore NFL. What's up, Bravo? What's going on, Joe? I'm looking forward to our weekly audio problems and functional technical problems. We're already starting with some with Joey. He'll be here in a minute from your favorite Rams podcast. How is everybody tonight? You can answer. Fill in this gap. Let's do a five-second gap. Hey, listener, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> that's a, oh, that's outstanding! That's, so good to hear. That's, I mean, man, that's why we love having you. You guys are great. Love you hearing guys from are you the guys. Best man. Yeah, you guys, you guys got it going on. We need you guys to come on here and tell us more of those kind of stories. That's what I like to hear. I mean, that's, um, that's, that's Russ Crenshaw level good. We might need to do a whole silent show where we just let the we just let the listeners respond to the whole podcast for like twenty minutes at a time. And we just fill in gaps of silence. Who needs us? Well, I mean, we could get Joey's mic to do it for us. But I'm when like, Joey's mic is the Ark of the Covenant, you open up that mic and just your face melts down. <laughs> your face definitely, yeah. You got the like the, the don't look at it, don't look at it. The kids Close understand that, right? Kids understand. Um, uh, do the kids understand? I, I would hope that that's a movie that they understand. I'm sure they've seen it There's on TV no a time or two. There's no the way. Parents, I see kids online these days. They don't know the who. My daughter, parents. here's one that scared me. My daughter didn't know who Wiley Coyote was. Wow. You yeah, I was like, what do you mean? Like Wiley Coyote with the, with the Roadrunner. And she's like, Dad, I have no idea what that is. Well, that makes sense. I mean, the mean, cartoons. And she's like, what? There's no cartoon for that. I've they don't do cartoons it. anymore, right? Do they do cartoons in the morning? When was, when was the last time you saw Roadrunner and Wiley? I, I wouldn't even know where to find it. I couldn't tell you. I, I well, that's what we you know, wake up as a kid on Saturday. You watch you watch cartoons for like the first half of your day. Then you go outside and play. Um, but, well, plus yeah, right? that was the only time you had cartoons was on Saturday yeah, morning. Now there's cartoons. You'd get 24 hours. You'd get the crappy ones on Sunday. You'd get like there was. Uh, those were the weird ones though, and you had the weird Jesus cartoons on Sunday, and those always kind of scared me because I couldn't tell if I liked them or not. You know, as a not a religious person, I loved me some uh, Davy and Goliath. Hey, Davy. I was, Davy. <laughs> I was always con- the the problem with the weird like Texas nineteen eighties Jesus cartoons was that they were really bad, and I could. Here's the thing: I knew that it wasn't. They, I'm Catholic, and I could tell that it wasn't like Catholic cartoons or really even Christian cartoons. It was just cult cartoons. And I couldn't tell whether they were bad or whether I liked them, and I was joining the cult. So it was almost kind of looking into a mirror and realizing the problem's not the cartoon, the problem's you. And it was one of those kind of things. I was like, oh, no. Ooh, I hit you. I, do. I hit you. I, 
I do. Th- I do think the people around me are the problem, mm. and something mm. does need to be done about it. Go Deep kill your parents. Yeah. Deep. <laughs> <laughs> Deep start to week eight preview week. Uh, Rabo plans for the weekend. Uh, you know what? I uh, I have a huge November with the work in front of me. And so I am going to take another Friday off tomorrow and not do that. I like thing. the way that starts. I got a huge November, so I'm taking Friday off. Yeah. yeah, I got this. My company has this policy of uh, use it or lose it vacation. And since yeah. I've been at my company 19 years, I have 30 days of vacation years. So I have a lot. And so Very good. I tend, to, I tend to give a lot away anyways. But um, towards the end of the like when fall hits – I just start taking Fridays off to start using those days up. It's like, well, I, didn't, I, I'm not usually one who wants to take a vacation to sit home and do nothing. It's like I want to plan something, I want to go do something. I don't want to waste my vacation. But this time of year, it's, it's fall, it's football weather, it's whatever. And it's like, well, I got, I got, you know, 17 more days to burn. I better start taking every Friday off starting in September. So I'm taking another Friday off tomorrow. And um, it's raining and miserable here now after we've had this beautiful fall weather in Seattle where it hasn't really rained at all. And so I'm just going to sit home and do not – I'll find something to do, but really no plans uh, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. If, uh, if it was nice out, I would go take my camera and take pictures, but it's not. So you I'm would. watch football and do nothing. That's what I was going to say is like what, what I appreciate about it is when you take time off, when you get these days off, you actually go use them. I end up just staying at home and watching you know, Rams football, and this is the first time where you're, you're meeting me halfway. I like the way this yeah. sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'll sit home. I'll uh, I'll probably watch some some tape. I'll get a little game pass out. I'll probably watch some Packers because I really haven't watched them much this year, which is great prepping for the preview show. Sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll probably just hang out, put the fireplace on, hang out with the dog, and do some dinner tomorrow. Have it ready for the wife, and just hang out and do nothing all day. It's gonna be kind of a a me day here at home. I watched every single offensive snap from the Rams this week. I was putting together a piece that's going to post tomorrow at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Nice early work read for our friends on the West Coast. Um, watched every single snap uh, from the Rams this year. It, was, it wasn't it was even a slog. It used to be. It it still feels Ooh, like it because well. when, when you go through that much football and you're really, really, really watching it, like really paying attention, by right. the end of it, you're like, ugh, I'm just mentally exhausted. Um we got a good offense, man. I, 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 I used to, I, I used know to do that. Is. I used to after yeah. like Sunday nights, I'd go back and and uh, and rewatch, or maybe Mondays, I'd start watching Game Pass, and I'd just go back and rewatch to try to find a glimmer of hope somewhere in that that terrible mire that was, you know, Jeff Fisher era, Steve mm-hmm. Spagnuolo. Just go back and watch it, and, and it would be miserable. And now that we're good, I really don't go back and watch it a whole lot. It's like, no, I enjoyed the hell out of it the first time. I don't need to go back and watch it, and I probably right. should start doing that. I probably, I really should. I think that the difficult thing is it's harder to – it's easier to appreciate. It's harder to really understand good offenses, especially ones like McVay because his offense isn't predicated because part of what I was doing, just you know, spoiler, by the time you guys all listen to this, it won't even be a spoiler. I was looking at what I started calling the crotch punt. I ended up calling the chest punt, this little tap pass that we're doing. Yeah. We scored the touchdown on it from Todd Gurley in week one. It was the one that we ran to Gerald Everett last week that failed, the one that Todd Gurley – had dropped the ball dropped. two weeks ago against yeah, and it hasn't so I wanted been to, uh, as successful recently as it was early, right? Because we're well. It, well, here's what's interesting: dropping them and Gerald Everett the, is running them. 
running that play specifically to a ball carrier hasn't, but the play action has still been really successful. And that, sure. that's what's really interesting about it is it's not – and this is what's kind of brilliant about Sean McVay is it's not just that he introduces concepts. It's that he builds on them and uses them in different ways. So we started using the chest punt early on and worked it, I think, twice in each of the first three games. And then once we left L.A. on this three-game road swing, we started using a lot more play action. We, we even ran one play where we had two guys crossing at the same time. We uh, had one week. play where uh, that was – I'd have to bring up the spreadsheet. I don't have it in front of me. I'll bring it up while I'm talking. I think that was two weeks ago. We ran ago? that one once, and then we had one where we had a chest pass play action that led to a draw handoff to Todd Gurley. And it's one of those things where you look and you go, okay, so this is – we're adding complexity to it. You're adding unpredictability to it because you don't know whether it's going to be Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, Robert Woods, now even Gerald Everett. We've run Josh Reynolds on the play action. And so the versatility of it is one of those things where you look and say, okay, I get that Sean McVay is building on this. And, and you maybe don't know what to predict next, but it's also one of these things that it, it's, it's easy to appreciate because when it works, and it works a hell of a lot. I know the last two weeks it hasn't necessarily been as great as we remember because those two plays stand out so obviously. But when it works, it's really it's something pretty impressive. Well, and it's, what's really great about what he's doing is, you know, every, you know, 90, what, 95, 96% of what he's done out of his 11 personnel. So, and, it, you know, they use that motion and he does, everything has the same look, but it, it's, there's so many options for him to, to hit you with it. You know, you, yeah. you get that, you get that jet motion. You, so you either freeze the linebackers or you get them going the other way. Then he, you know, he hits you back the uh, you know, opposite direction. So he gets you flowing one way, hits you the other way. Uh, everything, everything kind of looks the same, but, it makes it. Our friend Myson used to say, "When you do that, it makes you harder than hell to prepare for." And uh, Sean McVay, he's he's deserving of a lot of that that credit he's been getting, and it's just going and going and going. And he's he was damn good last year, and I think he might be better this year. And maybe that's because his players are you know a year into the system, Goff's a year into the system, Gordy's a year. You know, they're more comfortable doing it, but. It's fun to watch. I mean, they're just like, this is what we do. We run 11 personnel, and we're going to smack you with it until you try to stop us. And you know he's got more stuff he hasn't even shown yet. He's like, well, I don't need to sure. show that yet. I'll, I'll wait until we need it. I, I didn't say this in the piece, but I do wonder. And by the way, the double chest pump was week three against Arizona. He, it, mm. it, was the, it was the opposite look of the touchdown against Oakland. Against Oakland, uh, Gurley came from wide left and swept around the, the right side on the chest punt. Here, Gurley comes from the right, sweeps left, but right at the snap, Brandon Cooks, who is in the slot right off of Andrew Whitworth's left shoulder, comes just across in front of Gurley and takes the ball over to the right side for a nice gain. So it's one, it's one of those things where you can see the wrinkles are developing on top of the wrinkles on top of the wrinkles. But like you said, it's one of these things where you know that he's got more in his stash. I wonder if he's just kind of flushing this all out because what's interesting here, I didn't get into it a bunch. I mentioned his name, is that when we saw a lot of this lateral motion stuff last year in 2017, a lot of us just described it to the idea that it was the existence of Tavon Austin being right. on the roster, and it was Sean McVay finding out a way to use him. Well, obviously, that's not the, where he's got some penchant for these kind of plays and the lateral motion for stretching out teams and not being able to know what's coming from where when they come out of the huddle, obviously once you set up, you can say, okay, we, we know that these guys are, are, are a legitimate threat based on where they're lining up, but coming out of the huddle, you don't really necessarily know. 
but it's not based on the existence of Tavon Austin anymore. This is something that he really enjoys using, and I wonder how much of this he's just getting out before going to a new wrinkle once we get into the second half of the season and get closer to the playoffs. Well, it's you mentioned, you know, the Tavon Austin factor. Was, it's all, the only way Jack Fisher could use the guy was, you know, give him jet, jet motion. And so the, the thought was last year that, you know, he's kind of picking up on that and, and going forward with that. And coming into, uh, you know, that season, uh, we knew him as the Washington Redskins offensive coordinator and how dominant his tight end play was. Sure. Tight ends are a forgotten thing on this offense. We don't even yep. talk about tight ends. You know, young Gerald, we you know, used him in, in that jet motion once last week, but uh, you know, they missed Higby in the end zone. But really, you, you have like three or four plays that are going to the tight end maybe a week. And that's it. So he's completely flipped the script on what he was known when he was for his, when he was hired. It's uh, right. it's pretty fun to watch. That's a guy who's. And I heard uh, who did I hear talking about it this week? So it was I, I should be able to pull this out of the backside, but I'm not going to. Um, someone was talking about Sean McVay's offense, and and uh, actually it was Ndamukong Sue. Uh, talking about you know some young coaches come in and you know they puff their chest out and this is my system this is how I do it we're going to run this and he was talking about the thing he really admires the most out of Sean McVay since being here in a short time is how he and his coaching staffs will tailor what they do compared to what their players are good at as opposed to this is what I do and you you know you guys have to fit into my hole it's yeah. uh, it's pretty great you know this is the, these are the guys we have this is what they do well we're going to do this. It's uh, not a lot of coaches do that. And uh, I think it's, that's pretty damn cool. Yeah. It's one of the things I just finished exchanging questions with uh, Jason Hershorn from Acme Packing Company, the uh, SB Nation Green Bay Packer site. And one of the things he asked me is what is it that Sean McVay does well? And I said, it's two things. Number one, that aspect where he clearly tailors the offense last year, a lot of it was tailoring it to golf and Gurley. this year. I think he's implementing a lot of more stuff for Brandon cooks and whether it's his speed versus Sammy Watkins' speed, or, and I think this is fair to at least, not necessarily for Watkins' time in Kansas City or Buffalo, but at least his time with us, is Cook's consistent effort where he's playing every play through the end of the play and not to the concept, whereas Sammy Watkins was playing a lot of plays based on concept, and when he wasn't the first or second read, he was kind of given up halfway, and then Jared Goff would go to him, and it was almost kind of late, but... McVeigh is tailoring his system to each individual player, like you said, and, you know, for Indomitian and Sue to say that only verifies that. The other thing is that the, what you mentioned with the 11 personnel, so many plays look the same and so many plays start the same. And then a little thing happens that makes it just different enough for enough defenders not to really know what's going on and to feel comfortable where they say, okay, this looks like a stretch play to Gurley, a stretch play to Gurley, and then it's a play action. And you got to worry about the, the screen pass to Gurley. You got to worry about Cooks and Woods downfield. You got to worry about everybody. It's one of those things. Uh, I think we got Joey on the phone. Let's try to do this. Joey, Joey. Oh, we've been talking football way too much already. Please save us. We need to talk about other stuff. What's up, man? Oh, oh, jerk. No! I always do that wrong one. Jerky. No! Jerk. Jerk fail. We'll get him on soon. You guys do not know the effort that this man goes through every week to join us twice a week. Um, I have a a feeling like Joey... family situation and... I have a feeling like he left his home... He drove from his home to like his cousin's house in Los Alamedos or something. He's on the he, other side of town. 
He's, he's on his third to computer. He's driving California right now to he's get home placenta. to mom. He's covered in placenta <laughs> trying to make it work. I feel so bad for him. I mean, I sit down, I turn my stuff on, and I get on, and he goes, it's, it's – I, I feel for our brother. He, he, he really puts the effort in, and something just gets him. Just gets him. That's part of what we do. It's the audio problems and the technical problems that make Tertial Radio as great as it is. Well, we were talking football and the chess punt and all that stuff, and that's great. But week eight, uh, for the first time in 40 years, which is kind of the relevant thing here, I think as much as we talk about the microcosm of specifics and, and, and what it means to have this moment of Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, and we'll get to some of that playing the 2018 Rams and golf and all that stuff. There's also a bigger idea of the Green Bay Packers coming to the Coliseum. Like I said, the first time in 40 years, I was talking to them. I was on their podcast earlier this week. I'm hesitant to use the word, uh, but I've seen it. I think it was Robert Klemko from MMQB threw it out talking about Broncos fans, and I'll throw out there talking about Packers fans, but not in a mean way. I just think a lot of fans of these kind of teams don't get it. They don't understand how spoiled they are and how much good football they've been able to enjoy. So we're talking about a 40-year run since the Green Bay Packers have been in the Coliseum, not going back that far, but going back, let's just say, to 1993. From 1993 until now, that's, what, 26 seasons? Uh, let's throw out this season. Let's make it the last 25. Out of the last 25 Green Bay Packers seasons, do you know how many times they've missed out on the playoffs? Well, they weren't good until home got, got there, right? So they and weren't they, good what, until Mike Holmgren got there. So I'm going to so say – So this is the second year. Second year. I'll even give you this hint. Second year of Mike Holmgren. Is when they made the playoffs? Is the 1993? That was the first year they made okay. the playoffs after that spell. Starting then, I want to say four. They have missed That's out one, two, three, four, five, six times in 25 years. That's, That's six pretty time. great. 25 years. How many of those were losing seasons? Three. Mm. That's think think about that. You've had three losing seasons. In 25 years, there's We've no had seven I, winning seasons in 27 years. Rob, I don't know how the math works. Somehow we had 30 losing seasons in 25 years. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> the, the thing well, that's some of those teams were so bad we lost. So they we lost, lost twice. twice. Right. We lost 18 games that year. It's it's one of those things where there's there's no way for those fans to have anywhere near a realistic perspective about how the NFL works anymore because they've just been so fortunate to be that successful for so long. Think about an 18-year-old Patriots fan. Do I have to? I mean, two, kid born in 2000. That, that kid has no idea what missing the playoffs is, right? I mean, that kid has no idea that every time – I actually can relate to that a little bit because growing up in, in L.A. as a teenager through the 80s, whatever, you know, the Lakers – we're, we're playing for championships almost every year. They're always in the playoffs. Always great. And I got spoiled thinking, well, this is just how it is. Sure. You know, yep. you watch your favorite team 81 times a year. They dominate. We hate the Celtics and we hate the Pistons. But for the most part, we just kick everyone's ass in the West. And then we go on and we play for a championship. And maybe we'll get there. Maybe we don't. But for the most part, it's just showtime and Lakers. And it was amazing. And then I moved to Seattle and I realized, wait, you mean 
not every team is dominant and is amazing and has you know, this run that where they're always in the playoffs. Yeah, it's I I can actually relate to some of that. But I'm you know in the football thing, it's like a Patriot fan, or as you mentioned, the Packers fan. I've got a good friend who's a Packers fan. He's a little bit of, little over thirty, and for the most part, his entire life, he's used to playing for yeah. you know the playoffs. And right like this year, he's all ticked off and and bummed. Doesn't want to watch them because they're what three two. They're talking one. about firing Mike McCarthy. Right. And he actually mentioned that to me. He's like, I can't wait for them to get rid of that bum. He's a terrible coach. And I'm like, no, no, you don't know terrible coach. You don't, you don't know what Jeff, like having a Jeff Fisher or a Steve Spagnuolo is. You had Mike McCarthy pick up for Mike Holmgren. You have no idea. Hello. You that, you, oh, Yay. hi, Jerry. How are you, Jerk? Hey, Yay. guys. So, uh, so, so we're starting now? Yeah, the yeah. blog, uh, the podcast just started. Yep. We just, okay, great. We just started. Joe and I were just doing a little pre-show chat with live mics. Good. So I just I missed nothing. Absolutely, you missed. Well, with me talking a lot, you certainly missed nothing. But well, you know how bad it was. We we've, we've been talking about football for twenty minutes, Joey. That's not it's how we're supposed true. to podcast. Oh, yeah. Let's come on. Let's let's, let's talk about some uh, some recipes. People Ooh, are not uh, happy with us right now. They're tuned in Joey. for for movies and TV, and they're hearing football. I yeah. feel bad, Joey. Joey's. Out here, we're talking football. Joey's making pot pies from scratch. What is going on, Joey? I thought it's soup season. It's pot pie season. Yeah, but you know what? Have you ever tried to make chicken pot pie from scratch? Holy That takes a long time. You know, like, it takes a long time because you're prepping and cutting everything up and, you know, building your stock, or it takes a long time because you put it Yeah, down. yeah. Well, you, you got to break you it down. Cut break up. it down. Do the full recipe. Go Walk us through it. Do, do a full walk. This, right. is like, this is like the Rams on Wednesday. No pads, no contact. Yep. Just walk us through the cool. recipe. Let us, how did this go? I, I need some music. You got any music? Oh, God, I do, but I don't know if I have the right. <laughs> what kind um, of pot pie music do you have? I don't know. Let's how, try how many chicken pot pie songs? Too many cooks. Too, too this many, might too be many the cooks. closest I have to some kind of acceptable pot pie music. It's going to take a second to kick in, but uh, all right, good. all right. So I wasn't ready for this, but yeah, let's do it. Let's make podcast. Well, here, here's what you need. Now everybody knows that Ooh, you there start out with a pastry sheet. <laughs> now you want to lock the pastry sheet, defrost for a little bit, and while you're doing that. You want to cut up your carrots, your pearl onions, and of course, you got to have the peas. Now, at that point, you want to cook your chicken. You want to saute the chicken nice and good, and then you want to cut up the chicken, and then you got to get your chicken stock, and then you got to do a bunch of other stuff that I wasn't paying attention to because my wife just told me things, and I forgot them immediately. <laughs> good. Very good. But it was something to do with flour and... Oh, sure. You have to make a roux? Something in a skillet. I yep, made a roux. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and then you got to get, and then once you put it all together in the bowl and you put salt and pepper and you, you're, you're making that, you're, you're rocking that, you also have to make an egg mixture on the side. Okay. And that's going to be, once you have the pastry, you put that on the top of your chicken pot pie, then you got to get your egg wash. Uh huh. Yeah. You got to do the egg wash. And then you cook the pot pie for 20 minutes. And then you get it out of the oven, and you can't eat it for three hours because it's so hot. Serve <laughs> cooking. So you start at three thirty in the afternoon, and by seven o'clock, you just ate your chicken pot pie, and you're hungry because it's too small. So you make a peanut butter <laughs> sandwich, and you hate yourself. Seven o'clock. 
seven o'clock. <laughs> that's uh, that's a lot of work. It and is a lot. That's of not work. even making your own but, feel good, though. You know, you know. Sometimes when sometimes when you when one married, you get all these weird sort of cups and dishes and uh, sure. like we have uh, we have the French onion soup bowls that have like the special handle on it. But a cacut. You know, like, uh, come on, who doesn't have a perfect cacut? <laughs> right. Exactly. And just sitting there, never used. I like you know what makes some French onion, even though I don't even like it. Sure. And the same thing, we have these perfect little, you know, single chicken pot pie dishes. So we, um, so by the way, there's like seven Rams fans that just are like, what the what H the double L? hockey sticks is happening? Um, but yeah, so we just we uh, we just made it happen. It's something to something to do, I guess. I don't know. But nice. um, yeah, we work at home, so we just spend a lot of time just like dicking around making food. Yeah, that's that's not a bad deal. Life in 2018. Yeah. Now I've done the chicken pot pie many a time. I think it's 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 one of those things where once you get more comfortable with it, you can do stuff. It depends on how complex you want to get with it. Whether you make the pastry, whether you whether you, how much meat you really have to do, because at some point you just get lazy. You're like, screw it, throw it in there. I don't even need to chop that up. Just throw one giant ass carrot log in the middle of it. We'll figure it out later. It's definitely not the uh, easiest uh, recipe to put together and not one I would recommend for the lazy and or novice chef. So I'm impressed. Well done, Chef Joey. Thank you. Thank you. So um, we were talking about some football, right? Was that was that on the docket? <laughs> what are we oh, talking? now we got to go back to football. Yep. No, we were talking about football. We were talking I'm about thinking, Packers. Being I'm thinking about soups and pot pies, and you want to go back to Jared Goff and Mike McCarthy. <laughs> What's the segue? What kind? Of, what kind of soup does Jared Goff eat? What's Jared Goff's favorite soup? I th- I think he eats spaghetti. He eats tomato soup and grilled cheese with the ch- with the crust cut off. But only my mom's in town. Okay, Joey, what was yours? Spaghettios. Spaghettios. <laughs> Tell me oh. right out of the can, not even heat it up, right? Just right out of the can with a spoon. Oh yeah. I was going, oh, yeah. I was going with something um, like, oh, my favorite soup. Oh man, I don't know, like a uh, beef burrito. Is that a? I don't. Oh man, I don't know, dude. Uh, he um. Well, he definitely he, has you know, chicken warma. Well, he's a North a Northern California guy. He probably does the uh, the clam chowder bread bowl that he gets over at Pier Thirty Nine. Pier, you know, I don't really put labels on things, so I, you know, if you think a PBJ is a soup, I mean, I think that's cool, man. I, I, I guarantee five nights a week he has Uber Eats deliver a California Pizza Kitchen. No, yeah, no California Pizza Kitchen is too old. It's got to be something new. It's it's what's it's California Pizza work? Kitchen for kids these days? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Delaware God, Pizza Kitchen is that a thing yet? <laughs> um, or or like a Blaze Pizza? Blaze, like, I don't even know what that is. Yo, yo, like yo Higgs. Let's uh, let's get blazed and then order Blaze. <laughs> blaze Pizza. That definitely sounds like a thing that I need to figure out what is going on. Oh, you don't do the Blaze? Blaze Pizza is amazing. I, I feel like the, this uh, is going in a completely different direction than I was prepared for, but yeah, let's do it. What so what you do pizza? Is you walk in and they get you really high, and then yeah. they give you pizza. No, it's, it's, it's essentially um, – I, I, I kid. It's, it's like Chipotle, but with pizza. Mm. So it's that idea of like you're going down the line. And you tell them what you want, and then they yeah, put it in the, the wood-fired oven. But it, it comes out bad. It's great. It's really good. Except they're always trying to put sea salt on pizza at the end, and like oregano and sea salt. And you're like, no, I don't want sea salt on freaking pizza. Why don't you want the sea salt? On the crust. It's like a pretzel. What's wrong with the sea salt? No, I don't want it like 
Well, you know what? I love sea salt, but I just don't think a, like a good handful of that makes 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 <laughs> the flavor of the pizza better. I I think it's too distracting. And really, I love did your chick- sea salt. Did your chicken pot pie need sea salt? Was it was it low on sea salt? To be honest. Uh possibly. You know, I I put sea salt on a lot of stuff. That's like my like main. I just don't put it on my pizza. You know, I, we you have we have something like that here called Mod Pizza. So you walk in, you tell them what you want, they oh, yeah. cook it for mm-hmm. you, and they give it to you. It's garbage. I'm sorry. It's it's fast food pizza, and it tastes terrible. I'm gonna. <laughs> I can't do it. Can't do it. I'm too old. I'm not cool enough. I don't know any of these new pizza places. I still got the old pizza place where I do old pizza with yeah. old topping. I don't even do the cool toppings. I know everybody's into this new is pineapple on pizza thing. I don't even know. I don't even care. I'm just so old and done with my pizza. I just want one meat, one veggie, and I'm good to go. What my a loser. My is 50. I eat cheese pizza. I can do a cheese, have, man. My wife likes cheese. We have this, we have this wood, wood-fired pizza place. It, it's thin. It's almost uh, Napoli-style. So it, it's basically like a margarita pizza. It's good. There's nothing fancy about it. It's just basic and delicious. So it's a real thing. I order. Wood-fired. It comes out. It's tasty, and uh, we get that every time. I did a party foul, but he got mad at me. But I did it anyways. I ordered a pastrami pizza from this place the other day. Friendship was much, and they kind of put mustard, kind of drizzled that on top oh. of the pizza, and everybody, everybody got really mad. <laughs> but here's the deal: it wasn't like it had tomato sauce as the base. You know what I mean? It was central. Was just laid out sauerkraut open base. Taste. Yeah, there's a sauerkraut on it. And the thing is, people were pissed, but then they started eating it, and it was delicious. Because the thing is, a pastrami sandwich is fantastic. So if you just like put it in the shape of a pizza, it's oh. still going to be good. Tell me that's the so. party you went to when Will Ferrell was there, and he gave you a dirty look. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> pastrami pizza? What did you know brought this? Then they Joey messed off Will Ferrell with his pastrami mustard pizza. Well, the, the name of that place was called Delicious Pizza. That's the name of the place that we were at, the, the, the apartment. Pretty but no, just, we're just, just pepperoni and cheese and sausage and bullshit. You didn't uh, get one of those Philippe the Original pizzas. Give me, a, give me a whole French dip on a pizza and just roll <laughs> it up. Man, now that could be amazing, actually. I'll do that. A giant <laughs> Andrew Whitworth pizza. would not approve of... <laughs> Andrew... This server with a cauldron of au jus. That ain't no pizza. That hey, that's a meat pie right there. That's a meat pie. I know I know that right there. Give me one of them and I'm ready to take a shower. Uh and Packers. Like casserole. A French dip, that's a dance. I've been doing the French dip since I was seven years old. Uh <laughs> Packers week eight, boys. We got we got real football. Interesting football. Um before we get Good to the game, football. we got one topic in front of us that was interesting. Joey, you had a piece today. I talked about it earlier this week, kind of pushing off the idea because I started to see people talking about Todd Gurley for MVP, Todd Gurley for MVP. That was the case last year. I tried to make the case for Andrew Whitworth a year ago. This year, though, before we make a case for Todd Gurley, there's a much more obvious candidate for MVP on this team, and it's Jared Goff. Yeah, the, the mighty Goff. Now, Lindsay Theory of ESPN was, and she is the Rams beat reporter. So she's obviously not just writing about the NFL. So when she wrote, Hey, the numbers are showing that Goff is leading to the MVP more, more than Gurley. She's coming just from the perspective of yep. the Rams. 
Right. And 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 her her main sort of point was, if if you look at the last five MVPs, Goff is on pace to reach those numbers with you know Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan and Tom Brady and um, Peyton Manning. Now the thing is, is that he's he's not leading any category. Like he's like fourth or like sixth in other categories. So he's he's in the mix for everything, but he still needs to 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 improve his his you know touchdown you know interception you know ratio. I think sure. she's just like looking at the numbers, comparing it, and I and I kind of feel like if you ask anybody that's not a Rams fan, just to like an NFL pundit, I still think everybody's talking about Patrick Mahomes, and then they talk about the two guys on the Rams, and I think. Not that this really even matters, but I think Gurley and Goff canceled each other out. Mm-hmm. That, you know, people going, oh, I don't know which one's more valuable. I mean, they just have two MVP candidates. So, like, maybe, you know, who knows? They give credit to – and then they give to somebody else. But the point for me is just the potential that Goff has now. The fact that he's just in these conversations is um, – you know, is something, and 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 the fact that, you know, his past couple of games he hasn't he hasn't been blown the door off the um, sure. you know, he hit two touchdowns with no interceptions, which was nice, but you know, it was, he's averaging a little over two hundred yards past couple of games, so um, you know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think you you mentioned like Patrick Patrick Mahomes is the guy, but. They've been on national TV the last couple of weeks. When they've been on it, he's been lighting it up. Um, he's second in the, in the league in, in passing yards and first in touchdowns. I mean, ridiculous 22 to 5 actually inter- interception ratio. When you look at Goff, Goff is at, you know, 14 to 5. So that right there, you know, is touchdowns are sexy. You know, it's just how it is. Um, so while Goff is closer in the in the passing yards category, I think he's telling Mahomes by about 100 maybe even less under like 90 or 95, he's trailing by, you know, a considerable number of touchdowns, about eight. So, you know, there's, it's still early and he's got time to climb the ranks. And, uh, you know, if he has another couple more games like he did against Minnesota, I think Jared Goff is going to start getting more of a national attention because I think you mentioned it, that I think they are splitting the attention between himself and Gurley. Early it was Goff was getting some of the love. Wow. Look, he threw five touchdowns. He's great. And then, Gurley's just come on crazy the last couple of weeks, and he has he's been vocal about going after LT's uh, tongue in cheek, but kind of vocal about going after LT's uh, touchdown record. He's like, "I'm coming for you, LT." So that's kind of getting some of the attention on the national level. But I, there's lots of lots of time left, and as long as Goff keeps doing what he's doing and they keep winning games, uh, then he definitely we definitely might see it like a 2000 was 2001 when one, when Warner won MVP or, or Office of play of the year and, and Falk won MVP, they kind of shared the award that year, those two awards. So we could see a situation like that. They keep winning games. It's hard to ignore it. You beat, you beat the Saints, you beat the Packers, you beat the Chiefs on the, on the matchup. Um, you might have better numbers, but you're probably going to start seeing some more awards because you're actually winning those head to head matchups. So let's, let's see how these next three or four weeks play out. And that, that conversation I think could shift a lot. One thing that I also think is the case, at least for the Rams, and when we talk about MVP that's kind of sucking some of the air out, is that 
that one of the things that makes it hard to appreciate the players for the Rams is kind of what you get with the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick Patriots is that Bill Belichick is one of these coaches that has a mystique that kind of overshadows all his players. I think Sean McVay is getting that in a way that Andy Reid doesn't, in a way that Doug Peterson doesn't for the Eagles, in a way that a lot of these other successful teams don't, that, that a lot of people are looking at the Rams and attributing more of their success to Sean McVay than other successful teams are to their head coach. I don't know that that's unfair, but I think in terms of when you talk about like Todd Gurley and especially with Jared Goff, that, that people attribute less to the players and more to the coach sometimes than other situations do. So, for example, with the Chiefs, where when, when plays are breaking down, people are obviously crediting Pat Mahomes for making something out of nothing. But when Jared Goff is operating the, the system and doing so in a way that's really, really proficient and successful, for whatever reason, people are low to give him the credit for it. And I don't know that that's uh, – that that's the right approach, but I think it is what we're getting. I think you, I think you hit on something there uh, that McVay gets the credit for their success, whereas Mahomes is doing an off schedule and Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid's getting some credit for developing him, but you know, like you said, you're not hearing his name mentioned. You're hearing Pat Mahomes. Oh, right. look, I'm on the run, off schedule. He's throwing up the back foot. You know, uh, I, I think there's some some credibility to that. True. Uh, week eight. As long as we're talking about this before we have to re-record. Uh, week eight, we got MVP talk canceled. Injury reports. Things are looking good. Obviously, we need to get to Friday. We're recording this on Thursday night. Uh, added Trevin Young to the report. He and Cooper Cup are the only real major concerns. Michael Brockers and Dominican Sue should be good to go. And Dominican Sue uh, was a full go. Was it Sue full go and Brockers limited today? Or do I have that backwards? I'm pulling it up now. Uh, I thought... Sue was back. Let's get it up. I we got it. You're correct. Sue was a yeah. full go. Michael Brockers was the one who's limited, but uh, he should be good to go. Brockers has a shoulder issue. Sue's got the knee injury. Uh, we had Whitworth and Sullivan held out, but that's because they're old, like you and I, except they still play professional football. The only real two concerns were Cooper Cup, who we'll have to see. I would still not expect him if, at best, uh, probably doubtful for Sunday. Trevin Young, I don't know. It was a back issue, and it happened. The media availability for Sean McVay and the rest of the uh, uh, media availability was before practice today. You had some quotes coming out afterwards, but that was all locker room availability, so no real uh, idea on how severe that was. We'll have to see tomorrow. But overall, for a team in Week 8, this is about as good as any injury report could possibly be, so no real concerns there. What do you, what do you think about that? I, I know you mentioned it when we did the recap from the last game, the idea of going another week without your boy. What do you think? Uh, I, I think that the offense suffers a little. I actually, I do. Yeah. I think, you know, they're, they're, they're still clicking. They're still putting up points. And if you're struggling and you're putting up 39 points, you're pretty damn good, right? In a but, game, we probably it, need to put up points to keep pace yeah, with the Packers offense. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, maybe it's because I know how good they are when that trio is working together and they just feel a little off. And Robert Woods is stepping up. You know, he's really taken the leadership role there, as he did last year. Um, I just, I, I think they're lacking a little without my boy out there. But um, you know, Nikki Nikki Williams had a big catch for third down last last little week. Nikki. Uh, little Nikki. Little Nicky. But Jay Ray had that big nineteen yarder down to the one yard line. So they're filling in, they're just not doing the volume that Cup was doing, right? We had three guys catching four to six balls each, and now we have two guys catching four to six balls and we're just running Todd Gurley a lot more, which is, you know, still pretty good. And this week with the Packers run defense, maybe that's the recipe they continue with. Joey. Are you ready? Are you ready, jerk? You got your microphone fixed. Do you have your microphone open? Do you have your mind open? He's making Popeye. 
I love it. Joey. Inside Joey or listeners hit me with bold <laughs> predictions. Ooh, that is bold. Well, that was wow. That guy. Wow, you. Oh, too bold. Really? Mm, not bold is it enough. Him? How can you do that on IR? But I'll, I'll, I, it's bold. I'll take it. Is he still on the team? What? Who? Yeah. Ooh, insulting. I like it. That 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 that, that is bold, my friend. That one right there. That that's bold. Now that's a segment. Well done, listener and Joey. You guys Dirk. are good. Um. We'll get back to bold predictions once we get Jerky back in here. We got the question, how do you expect the Rams to go heavy with the girly attack, given the Packers' weakness with the run defense? What do, what do you think in terms of game plan? The, the Packers obviously aren't – what's interesting is maybe more so than any other team – I mean, there's a couple other candidates here, and maybe we should run through them. This is one of those cases where the Packers are not a good team. They've got a great quarterback that when they've been without Aaron Rodgers at any point, and there's only been three points last year, about eight years ago, and now this year, hypothetically, with Rodgers on this knee injury that he's been able to work through. The Packers have not been a good team without him. And I posted uh, something in the, in the Q&A that's coming where w- without Rodgers, it, looking at what they've gotten in the draft, they've only gotten four starters out of the draft from 2015, 16, and 17. That's a three-year draft run where they had the third least starters out of that run. They're, they're just not a good team, but they got Aaron Rodgers, and it changes everything. What do you think, Robbo? I mean, yeah, one, one amazing superstar can carry an average team. I mean, look, look that, what, that's what this I'm, is, right? Right? You got one guy who is transcendent, and he makes – that's what makes him, you know, Aaron Rodgers. He makes everyone else yeah. better. Uh, look at some of the guys on their team. Uh, goodness, I just had the Packers up. Here you go. Who knows who, uh, before, like maybe two years ago, anybody know Geronimo Allison or Marquez Valdez Scanting? And that rookie, MVS, that's right. Right. Uh, do you know who these guys are? Uh, who is this other guy? I can't even pronounce his name. Equanimous St. Brown? Equanimous St. Brown. Equanimous St. Right. Brown is from a very famous uh, footballing family in California. His brother goes to Stanford. His youngest brother goes to USC. This is this is one of those families you need to get to know, Rob. But that's kind of the thing about the Packers. Jamon Moore? Jamon Moore you know, out of Missouri. They're just starting to put not, some of these pieces yeah. together. It's 2018. They needed right. to put these pieces on the roster two, three, four years ago. But it just, but it's still, it's showing, you know, that this guy is making that guy, those guys, you know, serviceable players for their their system. Uh, it, that's just how good he is. I mean, you're taking guys that nobody heard of, and you know, nobody nobody thought Antonio Brown was going to be great, and so there's there's that. You know, he came from a small school and was amazing, and that was the best, arguably the best receiver in football, but. You're not going to tell me these other guys that the Packers have are are, are all that, right? So it's got to be the guy, you know, putting them in positions to see. And, you know, hats off to them, understand what he likes to do. He's the king of the back shoulder, right? So it's like, all right, run your route, be crisp, and it's going to be on your ass, so you better turn and look for it because it's, be, it's going to be there. And, you know, he's so good, he's able to put it where where he wants, and that's, you know, what makes him special. He's Some of the throws he had last week were unbelievable. He had that the touchdown that was, you know, right over the top. I don't know if you saw the, the segment with Aqib Tlaib on uh, NFL Network with, uh, with Schwartz this week. He's kind of had him kind of breaking down tape of Aaron Rodgers, and there was a touchdown 
uh, pass in that game that it was right over the top of the DB, dropped in the bucket. It was just beautiful. I think it was the Devonta Adams throw, but just the guy is amazing, and that's why he is Aaron Rodgers, and that's why everybody else is not. He's he's just he's amazing. He's great. Yep. The the words we used when I was on their podcast this week is I mentioned the idea that he has a mystique, and that most players don't. Jared Goff, for example, does not have a mystique. And the phrase that they used was that sometimes Aaron Rodgers goes into God mode. That's what they call it. I would like for Jared Goff to get a God mode. Uh, Joey, jerk, do you have a God mode? Are you with us? I want to do that. I want to make the rest of the show just us trying to hear Joey. <laughs> Hello. We got to need to start playing the Lionel Richie. Or what? Hello? What was the music? Oh, uh, for his uh chicken pot pie maybe it's like a <laughs> we can summon him conjure conjure joey up conjure joey up from the depths of the uh joey O'Coin. from deep within the coliseum I the bowels um we'll get his bowl predictions in a second when we get back on here <laughs> Uh, we had a question. Oh, Who on the Packers offense could be a Rams killer? Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is number one. Besides Aaron Rodgers, is there anybody that Aaron worries Jones. you on this offense? Aaron, Aaron Jones. Get out of here. Seriously? Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. You're He's going to run silly. for 500 yards. Uh, I thought I you were going No, I mean, there's there's Scared one me. guy. There's there's one guy, and then that one guy Who? will make someone else good. Other than Aaron Rodgers, who no one really – if any David of these Bakhtiari? guys are playing with – if you're playing with Brent Hundley again, nobody cares about anybody on this roster. Oh, you're talking about Jimmy Graham? Yeah. Anybody. You're so nobody. Seattle. You're so Seattle. You love him. Nobody. Nobody worries me on this roster other than other David Bakhtiari is the number one rated offensive tackle in the league by Pro Football Focus. You don't that care. is great. I don't care. He's a- <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> you don't now, give a day. There's no one on that roster who worries me. With, when, but if 12's out there, they all worry me because – Yeah. You mean who was the guy? Who was the the dude who came down with the hail mary a couple years for him? Uh, ja, ja, Janice, Jeff Janice. Yeah, Jeff Janice. He, he made Jeff Janice a contract because he got to go sign as a free agent somewhere else. That's so scary. Where is Jeff Janice these days? Uh, I know? He's, a, he's totally in a way. Where is he at? Uh, is he a roadie? Wanna, is he a roadie? Colts. Where is he there at? In he, he's like I should look. I'll look this up. I know he, he's with another team right now. He's yeah. out there making pot pies in placenta. Browns, maybe? Uh, where the heck is he? He's out there working audio issues for old Joey O. Joey O's, Joey O's been forced to call in on a landline just to join the show. Los Angeles, hello. Got it. Hello? Scary. There he is. Hi, Joey. Hey. Hi, Jerky. Hey, Joey. Uh, hey, uh, Jeff Janis signed with the Browns on March 30th of 2018. On August 31st, he was, he was released. I'm going to say that's fake news. I'm going to say I don't believe that. I don't even, I don't even treat that as factual information. Sorry, Jeff. Sorry, Jeffy. Jeff Janis is working at a local pastrami. Where'd you get this pastrami pizza from, Joey? <laughs> Blaze Pizza. Blaze Jeff Pizza. Yeah, working Blaze Pizza. Jeff Janis is out there making them Blaze Pizzas. I, uh, yeah, you had the you had the large pastrami and mustard. Yeah, I'm Jeff Janis. Here you go. <laughs> uh, Joey, I remember I was, we had. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. 
I was just going to give a little tidbit of, um, I worked at Pizza Hut back in high school, and I delivered a pizza to Jerome Bettis, who was playing for the Rams. The bus and, uh, Yeah, no, no tip. No tip. No, no tip from a young rookie, Jerome Bettis. Yeah. Or is yeah. it his sophomore so what, year when he was pissed off and wanted to be out of California? Oh, I was going to say, so you're the reason that he left the Rams. It wasn't really that he was upset that he wasn't getting full-time at running back and that they wanted to move him to fullback. It was because he got a shitty pizza. It didn't have pastrami yeah. and mustard on it. And he was like, you know what? Nope. I'm out of here where they can make me a good pastrami pizza. Pittsburgh. FLA, I'm going to Pittsburgh. FLA. Pittsburgh. 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 That checks out. I need some pastrami. Jury, give me some um, of your boom productions for the game against the Perkers. Well, every week I like to um, think that the only way that I can be bold is to uh, assume that something's going to happen with our tight end. So mm-hmm. my bold prediction is that Gerald Everett is going to have nine receptions for over 100 oh. yards Indeed. with two bold. touchdowns. Indeed, young Gerald. If you stay on that young Gerald train, you are going to hit one of these weeks, my friend. Joey been smoking them blaze pizzas. Yeah, you missed the part of the show when we were talking about that they don't really use the tight ends anymore, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, they're essentially glorified offensive linemen that are just you know eligible, eligible for for catching passes. Yeah, yeah, eligible. Joseph uh, Noteboom is reporting eligible. Yeah. Ooh, I just got. I like oh, I just got an idea. Andrew Whitworth catching that old chest punt, coming around the back. <laughs> I think I'd rather, rather give it to Roger Saffold. He's, a, he's everybody a look out! The old man got the ball. Hold on now. <laughs> Clear the way. Coming to. I, I got a question. Do you think Andrew Whitworth has a? Um, Impressive collection of bolo ties, or do you think he has no bolo ties? I'm saying oh. he has zero bolo ties. He I would say zero bolo that is ties. Philip territory only. Yeah, yeah, that's too southwestern. He's definitely got a weird belt. Like Andrew Whitworth has a belt that, like, he <laughs> made himself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I killed yeah. this gator back in '94. Made him into a belt. I actually made him into four belts, but I only kept one of them. Sent the other three to my sisters. Over in Monroe, I got one down, Postulis. Then the last sister, she lived in Metairie. I don't know why she lived on the south side, but I tell you, I ain't going over there. I ain't going, I ain't going over there, no. What I do, and I send her every year, I send her a belt to let her know that I love her. That's a Christmas gift from old A.W. You're welcome, little girl. Love you. Old A.W. Those are magazine street. Talks to his family and calls himself old A.W. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Hello, oh, my Lord uh, Jesus Christ. It's good to talk to you, old AW. <laughs> He's 30. He's 36. <laughs> Melissa, old AW coming through. Oh, Get ready, baby. Old AW. Just coming down. Kids are sleeping. Here I come. Hard to get like, to the kitchen these days with this old age you, creeping in on you. Melissa, you be Jerry Goff and give me that chest pass because old AW is coming true. Excuse me, the geriatric the division over <laughs> which away? 
Oh, that's it that way. I remember back in old 1905, they used to have us over here. Didn't have no phones, didn't have no lights. Didn't matter old A.W. I was getting that work done, baby girl. <laughs> Watch me on Sunday. Might get the ball, here. Chest, chest punk coming through. Yes. Yes, ma'am. A.W. getting the ball. Getting the ball, getting the call. Get ready, Dion. A.W. on the mic. Hey. <laughs> kind of bars does A.W. drop? All A.W. Oh, he drops no bars whatsoever. <laughs> that's disrespect. That's yeah. that's not music. That's not me. You gotta have some respect <laughs> for music now. You don't drop. That's what the problem is. The all them boys talking about the music instead of saying. Boy, don't even don't even have a jug player. Ain't got no ain't got no ain't got no instruments. Ain't nobody playing the instruments. Ain't none of one of them played a trumpet. It's a it's a nasty. Nasty thing they do in the music these days. Made me up, made me more upset than it made my sister when I gave her that belt for Christmas. Is what it did. Ole W, <laughs> you're welcome, girl. <laughs> 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 um, what else left from the game? We got most. Here's a good one at the end. Truly have home advantage. The Rams haven't been a great home team uh, since last year, but we're three and zero at this point. Yeah, are, are you guys worried about the idea? There's been a lot of chatter of a lot of Packers fans showing up to this game. And obviously with the history, like we said, haven't been there 40 years. Are we worried that this is one of those games where that comes back to bite us and kind of the idea of the, the, the crowd and maybe a lot of what's the right word here? Casual nonchalant fans showing up just to, to see Rams football this year, maybe taking over an environment where we need more passionate fans there. What do you guys think? Well, Joey told us that there's not a lot of, Packer, there's not a lot of Packer fans in LA. There's a lot of other team fans, but not a lot of Packer fans, and that's interesting. So maybe, maybe they do draw some more of the casual, like, hey, this is one of the last times we might get to see a guy like Aaron Rodgers live. Let's let's go check this out. Maybe they get some of that. So it's sure. maybe not maybe not Packer fans, but they've got casual sit in your hand fans who will have to be coaxed into some some cheering. Right. Uh, and they'll still you're still going to see some cheeseheads there. I mean, I'm not saying that they. There's, no, there's but it's not going to be like the Eagle or Viking takeover with the verse, you know, 50, 50 Gang times. fight between the cheeseheads and the millet heads. Yeah. It's like the old, uh, <laughs> what was West Side do, Story? Do Packer the Packer fans travel? The, uh, sharks. The sharks, the, 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 and the sharks. I don't I don't know if Packers fans travel. I don't I don't get this idea of who travels. I, I'm kind of confused by this. Like, it, is, is it Have more about the fans reports? traveling? The, the London game this this week is uh, Tennessee and the Eagles, right? And so the reports yeah. out of London is that there are just a zillion Eagle fans in London right now. But how uh, much of that is Eagles fans traveling, and how much of that is just, just Eagles, Eagles fans being Eagles fans in London? Yeah, like how many, you know, the, it, it always seems like when we talk about fans traveling, it's always teams that have a lot of fans, teams that have sucked for eight years that don't well, have fans in the first place. I'm going to say the Eagle fans travel because I sat next to an ass load of them last year in the Coliseum, and all of mm-hmm. all of them had traveled from Philly or other places. Interesting. Sure, Eagle fans. Yeah. Uh, I had I had so many people around me who were wearing Eagles jerseys. I was talking to pregame, and they were they were all from somewhere not Los Angeles. Claim fake news again? Look, Can I last, do it twice in one podcast? Yeah. Fake news. Last year, I flew from Atlanta to LA on New Year's Day, and Ooh. The whole plane was filled with Georgia fans. Like everybody was in a Georgia Bulldog shirt. The entire plane. And it's called, you know, it's the Rose Bowl, so obviously they're going to travel. It was great. I mean, they were doing the chants and stuff. Like it was, it was great. It was really funny. 
What are but, the what um, are the I chance don't, for don't... Falcons fans for Atlanta fans? For oh, Falcons you know, fans? I was at the I, I was at the game that the one that Fisher got fired for, and it was surrounded by Falcons fans, but they weren't really chanting; they were more just laughing at us. Oh, <laughs> they, were just, you know, they were like. Um, they're like, why are you still here? Like, why, why haven't you yeah. left? <laughs> like, you you were talking um, bars, uh, Rob. Like, that's that's who I expect to have bars. Is like Atlanta Falcons. Falcons. Like, like, like yeah. every Falcons player should be required to put together like a mixtape before they even get to like OTAs. Like, that's part of their whole organization. Is like, get your bars right. There's Atlanta Falcons football. All those, rap all those every one of their players are sitting out in front of a like. A, a mall or a, some, a public space trying to hand out their tapes in the offseason? You know, every, every Tennessee Titans player has to put together like a three-song country music mixtape, like old Sam, Sam Hunt. Taylor, Taylor Lewan. Country, country rap. You know, he's got something. Now we're yeah, podcasting. Now we got it going. Now we, see, it took us a while, Joey. We missed you for the first like 45 minutes. We weren't hitting peak Tertio Radio podcast. Now we're going. We're talking about mixtapes and country music football next. Well, week. I was talking the entire time. You just you just couldn't hear me. <laughs> that's the good stuff. See, that's was, when you uh, can say you can say, "Oh, I made this great point that you guys didn't hear that explained everything." Man, too bad I forgot yeah. it, and it's lost to time. You know what? Augie heard it. He's adding it to his uh, his repertoire of football knowledge. <laughs> Hey, Dad, that was a really great take. I don't want to embarrass you, but I think it's pretty obvious that Andrew Whitworth doesn't have bars. If we're going to talk about rap, John Kelly sitting right in front of you. Damn, Dad, pay attention. Jeez. (laughs) Put Justin Davis in there. Uh, Is is Justin Davis on the active roster, by the way, or is he just inactive and not really suitable? so here's a good point to, to make sure we everybody understands. He's on the active roster. The Rams have a 53-man active roster. They pick seven guys to be inactive on game day. One guy that's not involved in this is somebody I, – I, I don't know. It's one of these things where I can't decide if, if we're being rational about it or irrational about it. Somebody like Obaniah Okoronkwo. So Obaniah Okoronkwo is in this 21-day period that the Rams are afforded for him coming off of the pup list, physically unable to perform. While I'm mentioning this, I should bring it up because McVeigh actually talked about it today. The Rams don't have to add him to the 53-man roster at this point. Uh, they can wait until that period's over and then add him. They'd have to remove somebody. Here's what McVeigh said. He was asked if Okoronko is going to take the entire 21-day window, and he said, yeah, I think so. Right now, that's the kind of trajectory that we're on right now. Really, he's done a nice job with the things that he can control. The thing that's interesting about it is being able to do some nice individual things, but because of the way that we're practicing at this point in the season, being mindful of especially some of the guys that are naturally just banged up through seven weeks, he's had limited opportunities to really show how he's doing. But he is making progress. It's been good to have him out there. He's got a great demeanor, and we're seeing good things. But as far as any sort of updates or changes, there's nothing on that front right now. So I think it's one of these things that they're trying to figure out how to get him back. And, and this kind of gets to, you know, Justin Davis, John Kelly. is, the, and, and even when you talk about guys like Troy Hill or Matt Longacre, when people say, why are these guys – there why are they getting these opportunities because this is the roster that the rams set and when they set this in week one 
they had to feed time into these guys and, and, and give them an opportunity to succeed. The same way when Jared Goff was named the starter, you give him the opportunity to succeed. You feed him and feed him and feed him and feed him, and maybe it took too long for Jeff Fisher to get there. But once you get him there, you make sure that he's got the opportunity to grow and get the reps and develop from there. And upsetting that by bringing in somebody like Okoronkwo, it's not that he doesn't have talent. It's that you're at a specific point in this process that maybe bringing in a guy now disrupts things more than it will help. And, and that's the real difficult thing for McVay, whether it's Okoronkwo or you know, Justin Davis or anybody else like that, that it's really hard to make these kind of decisions and these changes midseason more so than it is in, say, July. Yeah. I think uh, I, I think it's interesting that you got a guy like Troy Hill who is out there, he's making plays, and then sometimes he doesn't make plays or he'll make a penalty. Sure. But he's, he's getting a lot of minutes. Yeah. I mean, that guy got is very visible. Too. Yeah, and and yeah. that's what it is. That that he's their their backup cornerback. Whether it was Kayvon Webster and Trumaine Johnson or Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib, he's the primary backup. And just because he messes up doesn't mean they're going to go away from him. What they're going to do is try to fix it, and they're going to fix it with him because they feel he's the best guy to fix it with. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's so. Uh, Matt Matt Longacre, they're gonna fix that. They gonna they gonna fix it, Matt. They gonna try. They gonna try. <laughs> they're gonna they're keep getting that run out there. Sorry, Sosa. They're gonna keep they're gonna keep Matty Matty run one out there. Johnson they Franklin Myers. Who do we care about? Junior Galette or I, I I can't oh, even keep up with all the names that gracious. people have tried to mess around with with. Uh, going back to you know July, all the people that have talked about been talked about with the linebackers. They've had an opportunity to do all of this. They're not, they're not doing it because they're not going to do it. Yeah, they're, just, they're comfortable with the depth chart and coaching these guys up and developing them and trying to make those guys as proficient as possible. And, and the opportunity trade deadline coming up on Tuesday. Chances I'd that they make a deal for a defensive end or outside linebacker. I'd be I put it no. I was going to say, I was going to put it at 0.5 out of 10. Yeah, not happening. So. It's cool that you 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 know you're thinking about it, guys. Don't get your hopes up because it's not going to go down. It's just not. It's not what they do. Yeah, think, hey, think real about quick, what, dudes. Um, yeah. I just I wanted to go back to the um, the topic that we that we deviated from. The I uh, truly have home advantage. I was I was just uh, thinking about that. Sorry to change subject up from junior to last. I just get so bored when we talk about like trades that are never going to happen or not following happen. Twitter accounts of of like oh he followed Bryce Hager so he's apparently <laughs> going to sign with us. No, nope. but um, as as far as just us playing against the Packers on Sunday, I feel like if we could get a lot of people that um, a are excited about the Rams just because the Rams are seven and zero and they also want to see Aaron Rodgers play or just they understand they understand that the Packers are you know a legit team that you know is competitive most of the time. Whereas, like, you know, they're not playing, like, the Titans or, you know, some team that, like, like I don't know, that's going to be a garbage game or, like, you know, sure. a Cardinals game, for example. It's not the Colts coming um, to town. Right. Exactly. So, it's type of like, well, you know, it's there's a mystique there. So, I think you can get casual fans going in there. And, yeah, they might not be going going nuts and being proper, but that's just L.A. And you're still going to get the insane fans over by the tunnel. And you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get all that which you get every week, 
So on uh, one way, I just think it's the optics. I mean, I just want bodies there. I just sure. want there to be not a bunch of red seats where everyone's like laughing about it the next day. I mean, I know that guys like Gurley feed off the crowd. So I think, I think he's probably the guy that like really just wants to move into this new stadium and just get a better atmosphere. We have what we have. And I feel like this, this game's very interesting to me because even though the Packers aren't playing as well as they usually do, they're still the Packers and anything can happen with them. I mean, they could throw 40 points and no one's going to be like, what the hell? You know, it's not like, it's like the Ravens did that. You'd be like, huh? So, um, I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be a really interesting game because it's a game the Rams should win. And it's a game that I think they should, should win, but it's also a game that I'm a little bit like worried about just the wild card of, of having Aaron Rodgers in there and, you know, who knows? But I'm glad I'm glad we're playing in LA and not, not in Green Bay in that frozen tundra because, you know, Jared well, be wa- Jared Goff be walking around in Green Bay with no no, no shoes on and like catch himself a cold. <laughs> I I don't know. I'd almost rather them play every game on the road. McVay seems to have that road thing dialed in right now. And while they're three and zero at home this year, they weren't great the last couple of years. Maybe that's. That's yeah. that, maybe that that's just changed. Now that's we'll set that tone going forward. Uh, so, do you think as they keep growing, as as our resident LA uh, person here, do you do you think that they're they're getting that buzz now that they have kind of got this thing going? They're seven zero. They've been gone for three weeks. They're coming home for their first game in a month in Los Angeles. Uh, is there is there kind of a buzz going where they're gonna start grabbing more of those casual think, fans and we don't have to see red seats like we saw in San Francisco last week? I don't know, man. It's bad timing because the Lakers are starting and everyone wants to get a ticket to see the Lakers. Everybody, the big thing. And the Dodgers have World Series this week. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that that the, uh, I was was hearing so much, screenwriters talk about this, which I think is really funny, is uh, people in Hollywood are finding out where do they stand in their agency. Like what, like. (laughs) Just to see how, um, how how regarded that they are is like, you know, if it's like a guy who's like on the show Veep and, you know, he's, he goes and goes, hey, I want World Series tickets. He's like, yeah, well, you know what? Get in line. And it's it's one of the hottest tickets. It's 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 probably the, the hardest ticket to get in L.A. in a long time. Even last year was, was, was hard to sure. get uh, World Series tickets. But that was like in Houston. And I think just Red Sox, Dodgers, I mean, get out of here. Like, the amount of money that people are forking over. And also the amount of money it, it costs to go see the Lakers play right now. You know, you're paying 250 bucks for, like, the worst seat in the house. And so you, you have you have those those two things, which I think people really want to get in. And Rams tickets are still pretty pricey for, yeah. I think, such a – such a crappy stadium. I mean, I know, bless its soul, it's been around forever, but it's, you know, it's not a comfortable place. So, I think... Here's uh, something... I was just going to say, here's here's something that's interesting about the Rams, right? Is that you talked about the idea that the Packers are maybe this interesting draw for Rams fans to be able to show up because it's a good game. Here's the Rams' home schedule this year. You had the Cardinals in week two. We won 34 to nothing. Clearly, that wasn't going to be a great game, but it was entertaining for people that wanted to see the Rams put up a good showing and win the game. 
Chargers and Vikings week three and week four. Fight for LA Thursday night football. Both of those were really, really fun games. You got this Packers game, obviously, this week. You got the Saints that we're leaving for. So then when you come back, you got this two-game stand, one against the Seahawks, one in Mexico City, obviously a home game, but that's gone. So you got Rams, Seahawks, NFC West showdown. I don't know that that resonates among the casual fan that doesn't necessarily pay attention to NFC West rivalries and something like that. And then you've got the two games at the end of the stretch because when we come out of the Mexico City game, you got the bye. Lions and Bears on the road. Eagles at home. Cardinals on the road. 49ers at home. So in terms of the draw, this is probably the, best, is the best overall one. game. This and the Eagles, uh, Eagles. right? I mean, yeah. the, Eagles. Yeah, exactly. the Eagles is going to draw yeah. really big. And that's a primetime uh, game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, I mean, a lot, a lot of my friends, are just they've already selected their NFL teams, and I feel like most of them, you know, just somewhere in their life, they decided to become Eagles fans. And um, so a lot of Eagles fans are friends. And uh, so, yeah, they're all, they got tickets for that game. They're already out in the parking lot making brats. So <laughs> they're, they're jacked up for that game. People um, have already traveled from Philadelphia. They travel well, those Eagles. That's yeah. right. Going straight from yeah. London to L.A. for the next month. <laughs> yeah. Man, Eagles fans are crazy. Um, but they uh, they show up. So um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I I I'm interested to see what um what happened what happened with just you know it, it, is this hype actually getting through to people? Like it's it's it, it's interesting when you hear people talk about football and especially you know just the politically minded you know liberal bubble of L.A. You know you you hear people talk about how it's like they don't feel right following football right now. Like you know you hear that well. You know, I, 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 I've stopped watching football. Well, now it's the opposite thing. It's not they're mad because Kaep- Kaepernick kneeled down. Now they're mad because the way Kaepernick has been treated and how the owners have kind of, you know, pushed him out and, 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 and mad how it's become this weird political thing. Um, I've, yeah, I've talked to someone. I, I think it was – somebody was talking – I think it was through the ringer. Like they were on a podcast. It was like a black guy, and he was saying, he's like, yeah, I don't watch football anymore. Uh, because of that, like I just, I just stopped watching. Now I just watch baseball and football. I mean baseball and uh, and basketball. Uh, I, I I think it's just kind of interesting that it's that it's it's uh, the political thing that has both sides angry at it. Sure. So um, it's 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 really it's really interesting when you when you just talk about what 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 does it take to become a fan of something. Like, 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 what, what does someone need to be like? Oh, you know what? I'm going to invest all this money and time into this this new thing right. in my life. It, it takes it, it, helps it takes a, a big moment that sucks you in, the casual fan at least. I think that you know, helps. It's yeah. Winning a big game, winning a Super Bowl, going to the playoffs and doing well, and just groundswell like well, you know, this, if they keep winning and they're you know they're 14 and two going to the playoffs and they're rolling, everyone's talking. I mean, that'll gather. We saw that last year with the Falcons playoff game. That from me being there three weeks before when it was the Eagles and it was mostly Eagle fans to go into that game. And we were loud and Rams friends were in it. And you saw some of that in the Viking game, right? Where it was, it felt electric. Joe, you were there. I don't, I think Joe, you were there as well. Right. So we all, yep. we all were at that game. It yep. felt electric and felt like a special thing. Even though they lost, it was, it was an event. And I think it takes winning something like that to yeah. where people go and they experience it and they, they kind of get sucked in and juiced in rather than, yeah, I went to a game and they they beat the Cardinals thirty four to seven. 
I think so. And, and I think goes, more I, of those will, will help. What you got, Joey? Okay, I, I got a quote. What What do I need to expect financially in 2020? And I want to go to just a game in the middle of the season. Let, let, let's let's hmm. say I want I, I want to see Rams against the 49ers, and the 49ers are are pretty decent in 2020. How, What's a ballpark expectation of how much money it's going to cost for me to attend this this game in Inglewood? I can, get, I can get you. I can get you fifth row tickets for Chargers Patriots for fifteen dollars. Come on, <laughs> it's the hottest ticket in town. <laughs> That's the truth. Sold. Sold. Like, I can I'll put you right. Fifteen dollars. I can get you squeezed in between Penny Marshall. And Abe Vigoda. What? He's been dead for how long? Screw him. Put him in the seat. We'll make the photo op happen. <laughs> I think what you, you can do is just laugh at no funny stuff. Keep, uh, start sucking up to the professor now. And by two, uh, two or three years from now, um, yeah. you, you might get one of those tickets to that game. Yeah, I don't That's know. I don't, I don't have I, a good I'm answer. Not, I'm not talking about... I, I'm just—it's more, it's more curiosity. I mean, yeah. I'm a man of leisure. I'm talking about just your, your, your normal person, <laughs> you know, D- Dylan, Dylan Caldwell, you know, coming in. And how much is he getting? Oh yeah, like, Dylan. Is this? <laughs> he's selling term paper, so he's fine. Is this like three hundred dollars <laughs> a ticket? Is this what we're talking well, about? I, is well, it I like a, is it a hundred dollars for parking? Twenty dollars for, for the water? Well, like. What we're talking about is not Rams fans. We're t- what you're talking about is how important is Rams football going to be to L.A. in two years? And I, I don't know. And I, I think when we talk about the idea of whether or not this is going to be that kind of popularity and, and kind of what you were alluding to with those kind of moments, Robbo, is whether or not people buy into the idea that those moments are going to be more frequent than that. And really what this comes back to is what we talked about with Packers fans being spoiled is for the last 25 years – they've known that those kind of moments were possible and certainly late in games in the regular season and late in the regular season and late in games in the postseason and late in games in the postseason, they've been able to figure out that this is a possibility that as a Packers fan, I can buy into in a way that Rams fans and non Rams fans haven't been able to buy into with this team. So if this continues, if we're a team that's looking at, winning seasons and postseasons and late postseason runs, I, I, I don't know what the numbers necessarily line up to, but it's going to be one of those things that, yeah, you're going to have to start paying more and start paying more time to be able to invest into games because the people who aren't Rams fans now will be, and the people who weren't Rams fans five years ago that are now are going to be more so. I absolutely saw that come to fruition here in Seattle. Holmgren was the coach. They went to the Super Bowl in 2006. They lost, and they had a following. And you know they've always had a pretty good following here. And some years they've had like in Old Kingdom days, it was fantastic. But they they tailed off. And when Jim Mora was fired and Pete Carroll came in here, uh, I was able to get a seat to the the Rams Seahawk you know one game playoff winner wins the division. How was the twelfth man in those days before? It wasn't. It, it was wasn't a twelfth man. man. Yeah, it exactly. wasn't a twelfth man. It was. It was a good home crowd that you could easily get a ticket to if you wanted. No, it's like any other NFL stadium. After that point, when they started making that run, they went to Atlanta and lost in the championship game, and then they came back and won the Super Bowl. And you cannot get a ticket. And even now, it's still pretty difficult. I was able to do it this year uh, for a reasonable amount because their team had lost a few. But for the most part. For five or six years here, it was impossible to get a ticket. 
you had to pay, you know, two hundred and something dollars to stand at the top of the stadium in a box painted on the on the concourse in your standing room only seat. Uh, people were paying seven hundred dollars for for seats down in the in the first level. I mean, it went nuts. It was everyone here bought in, and because they won, not only did they win Super Bowls, but the way they won games here, uh, the stupid fail Mary, which Packer fans will sure. will hate, have that brought up. And then they come back in the NFC Championship game against the Packers again. The Packers are dominating that game, and they come back in the fourth quarter. They get an onside kick. Uh, they score a touchdown. They, get an on, they have a fake field goal. They have an onside kick that they recover. Hits, uh, who was it? A Packer hit him like right in the face. He dropped it. They got it back. They went to overtime. They won in dramatic fashion with Russell Wilson, like hitting a bomb. I mean, they win games. They were winning games during that time that were that kind of, wow, I can't believe they did it again, got moments and electric and, you know, walk-off type plays. And this, that city just ate it up and became, it just became special. And I have no doubt that the Rams could do that in Los Angeles, especially when they get the new stadium. Sure. If this team is still dominating and playing really great football, and they have success in the playoffs, and there's a Super Bowl in there somewhere, and then they open that stadium. It's going to be – I can't see how it cannot be like a Lakers-type ticket or a Dodgers in the oh. playoffs type thing. It's, it's going to be, everyone's going to want to be seen at the new stadium with a great team who's playing for a championship. And here's what's fun to think about that is obviously with the Rams in L.A. and having that kind of stuff, it all makes sense. Here's what will be fun, because you can start to see it this season. They were getting close last year. They had a schedule issue early on that made it really hard to make it happen. The Chargers, obviously, are the bête noir. Nobody wants to get behind this team in L.A. If they Nobody. keep winning, if they keep winning, every dickhead, every, every kid who rebelled against their parents, <laughs> every dickhead in L.A. that just wants to be the antagonist, that just wants to go against the current, every single one of them is going to become Chargers fans. Why? Because we're saying nobody's a Chargers fan. You're not supposed to be a Chargers fan. There's no reason yeah, to be a Chargers fan. It's the alt fan. group. It's the alt group. And if they keep winning, yeah. you get you get you get the satisfaction of winning and playing good football and being For a dickhead. For fifteen dollars. For fifteen you know bucks, go be, be a dickhead. Uh, you know you know who likes to be a dickhead? Dickhead. Raider fans. They love it. They them Raider too. fans. They all love it. Um, college football boys. Uh, we're now previewing. We're away from the review. This was supposed to be a big game. We're supposed to get Clemson-Florida State. This was supposed to be a great game. Joey, I know you're a huge Florida State fan. You pay a ton of attention to college football on yeah, the East Coast. The, this, the, sem- the Seminoles. Go on. This, the I'm, I'm impressed that you even knew that. Uh, this was supposed <laughs> to be a big game. Willie Taggart struggling in year one. This doesn't have necessarily the draw that it did maybe four months ago, but it's still going to open up things on ABC. That's a great game early on. You got a game in the middle of the day with Florida, it's, Georgia. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, please do I'm go sorry. Back. Well, I just want to make sure. Do you think Bobby Bowden still has it as a head coach? Or do you oh, think man, he should perfect. retire? I love oh, it. That nice. That, that's great. Is that good? Did they find a kicker that's, yet at Florida State? Did they find a kicker? How, how, how's Charlie Ward doing? Is he still <laughs> going to get drafted? Can you, can you name one player on Clemson or Florida State, Joey? Um, yeah, well, yep, uh, Clemson, the kid that broke his neck or was going to hurt his neck or oh, were worried God. about his neck. That's the most California football answer possible. <laughs> the kid that got injured, I feel bad for him. Yeah. Who was it? The, 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 quarter, the quarterback kid with a weird name. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, no. Travis, the weirdest uh, name. 
What's his name? Travis, Travis Etienne. 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 Yeah, the Travis running back. Etienne. Yeah, he's a great yeah. player. You guys hate college football, and I hate both of you for it. Um, they're both very talented. I will point to Brian yeah, Burns. That's somebody, the old Dabo. If you haven't seen Brian Burns for Florida State, he's one of those obvious upgrades at edge talent that would make sense for the Rams in a playoff spot in the draft. That would make sense. What's up all these French Take names in this game? Is Etienne? Is that a French name? Hold on a second. You're talking to Deandre a guy whose family is from Louisiana. What right? kind of Deandre this is Francois? This isn't What's even racist. Francois? What is this? This is colonist. What is this <laughs> anti-colonial? How dare you disrespect my family's 17th century colonial expansionism, you son of a bitch. <laughs> all these guys in Clemson and in Florida State with all these French names. What's, where, are they, where are they getting all these, these boys All from? these French names. All, all these Frenchies. Oh. Are they coming from Canada? Are they coming down from Canada to play football? We're taking this offline. DMs it is. Middle of the day, Florida, Georgia. Number nine against number seven. Really interesting SEC. This has actually happened in Jacksonville. Uh, going to be a great game, worth your time to be able to watch a ton of NFL talent. Obviously, Georgia stacked and with the loss to LSU, maybe on the Elijah outside Holyfield, looking in. Yo. Hey, Hollywood. Have you seen Hollywood yet? They got tons of talent. Um, Ooh, t- tons going on. And now even Florida, for their part, although they're maybe playing above the talent bar a little bit under Dan Mullen year one. Going to be interesting to see what they do. You got Iowa Penn State going on at the same time. That's going to be oh, on yeah. ESPN. Arizona State, USC. USC's coming off some time. That could be really garbage. fun because both of them have some pressure. Herm. Well, garbage, but here's garbage. the thing. Garbage. Somebody's got to figure out how to get out of the garbage, unless they don't. And whoever doesn't, that's where things become interesting. What were you going to say, Joey? I was just going to mention Washington State, Stanford. Oh, there you go. That is a That's coming up in the West evening. Coast football. You got some good evening sorry, games. You got sorry, Washington, Washington Cal, that's Fox Sports. Washington State, Stanford, yeah. both ranked Pac-12. Texas A&M, Mississippi yeah. State, ton of NFL talent. <coughs> <on the ESPN. coughs> Go ahead, speak on it. What you got, Robbo? I feel you. you got the Bruins going okay, for their third win in a row against the 23-ranked Utah Utes. Uh, you, your last, the, word, your last word was garbage. The last word out of your mouth was garbage, and that's it how was, you said it. That's because we were talking about USC, but now we're talking about beauty, uh, the Rose Bowl, the standard, the gold standard. UCLA, back on no, track for the no, third if, win. If you're talking about tip the gold over, standard, Robbo, don't talk about 7.30 anywhere. at night, ESPN. Another Frenchie. In Arizona, in Tucson, Arizona, hey, you can watch yourself a little Herbert. Herbert. Again, <laughs> against Arizona. Arizona's a fun team, but you're right. Justin Herbert going on the road. The problem is, at the same time that's going on, you've got two games that are worth watching. Number one, Notre Dame against Navy. I know nobody's that's, excited for That should be a good game. Notre Dame that could be good. a really good game. Nobody's excited for service academy teams. That game's actually in San Diego, so that's a really fun game. Because Notre Dame's number three, their playoff hopes are on the line as an independent. They don't get a conference championship, so that could be one of those games where they're playing but for everything. They got their stuff week they, to week. They still have their own network. NBC? Are they still an NBC thing? No. They, so yeah, that's been that flexed out no? in a lot of these games. This, this game's going to be on CBS. This is going to follow the Florida Georgia game. Uh, they've lost that NBC contract, but they're, they're still on individual recruiting or negotiation rights because they're okay. an independent. So it's a little bit different. But same idea where they, uh, especially as long as they're playing this kind of good football, they have the television honest. rights in front of them. Yeah. What were you going to yeah. say, Joy? Well, just speaking of TV, uh, so I'm sitting in California, and at 1 o'clock, I, I know it goes back in time, but 
Uh, let's say uh, it's, it's 1 o'clock p.m. my time, and I want to watch Rice at North Texas. How do, how do I watch that game? <laughs> Homecoming, baby. It's on ESPN+. Plus. You, I'm, I'm going to be out there at 10 a.m. I'm going to be out there at 10 a.m. Let me tell you this. I'm going to be out there at 10 a.m. I'm going to be 10 a.m. not sober. Bet oh, on it. Oh, A.W. Um, going to be out there. I'm going to be wearing two belts because these pants ain't going to hold themselves up. Hold on now. I'll be cooking up some bundle on the tailgate. Y'all I got ESPN that alligator Plus. bundle. Tickets going as low as $20. Now, I will say this. There are less than 50 tickets available for this game on the open market. North Texas doing a good job selling this game out at Apogee. It's going to be a fun time. I will be there. Holla at your boy. Uh, two late games that we didn't talk about. This one not as important for necessarily college football landscape, but maybe for future college football landscape and current draft uh, landscape. Tennessee, South Carolina. That's late 4.30 L.A. time, SEC Network. And one last one, number six, Texas. Texas has had one of the most interesting seasons I can remember. They played week one at Maryland, which they did last year and lost. They did it this year and lost. But what was interesting was they played in a game that had a lightning delay for about three hours and ended up losing a game that they probably shouldn't have won. Since then, they've won every single game, including beating Oklahoma in the Red River Shootout. If they had won that week one game, this would be a playoff team that exactly that everybody's talking about. And this is the kind of trap game that they need to get over. It's at Oklahoma State. It's very late for our time, for Joey's time. It's going to be 5 o'clock on ABC. This is a huge game for Texas. This is everything that they need to be able to play for. Great game. Are they going to be able to stop the, uh, the Barry Sanders-Thurman Thomas combo? Here's more interesting is who they have to stop it. Do you know who their starting left defensive end is? Everybody uh, knows that joke. Ask me a question that matters. Oh, he's the brother of Rams middle linebacker Bryce Hager. His brother is the starting defensive end for oh. Texas. So Rams. So wait, wait, wait. You tell me they're about to get four yards. I want to see if I could guess his name. So Bryce's brother. Um, is it is it like similar in difficulty to Bryce? Is it something like um? Is it like is it Colt? Here's how you don't know Texas. In Texas, we like our names to start the same. So it not only does it need to start with a B, it needs to start with a BR. It almost needs to be the same damn name. Like Bryce, Wait, okay. Bryce, Bruce, it, and Bruce. It, Come on over here, boys. It's dinner time. Y'all know the damn deal. I don't know why I have to tell y'all. We have Brecken Hager. It's Brecken. How could you mention that kid's name? Maybe it's spelled with a Y. Come on. Come on, Come on. That's, That's not a, a damn first player. name. That, I, 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 you watch B-R-E-C-K-Y-N. out. Brecken Hager, Hager, Hager can play some goddamn football. That's all I'm I, Sorry for Titan Nord, Lord's name. <laughs> Brecken Hager plays some damn football. That's all I'm telling y'all. <laughs> the kid spells his name with, with a Y. Oh, and man. here's, here's, here's the thing. No. You guys say no. If you ask somebody in Texas where the Y is in his name, that's the hard Brecken? <laughs> B-Y-R? No? It's B-R. B-R, like the old school way. B-R-Y. Oh, my God. All right. B-R-E. That's funny. Oh, there must be some liberals. I don't know who so, spells the name B-R-E. That's funny. That's right. Tevin, Tevin that's and I like, watch a, a garbage TV show called uh, MTV's The Challenge, and it's garbage. It's terrible. When I'm talking garbage about USC, it, it's it's even worse. It's it's brutally honest. It's it's garbage, but it's a guilty pleasure. 
and they do this thing and they have all these wacky challenges. And the, the one they did this week is they have all these, these people suspended above water and they ask them basic questions. If they get it wrong, they get thrown off the thing into the water. And last man standing wins the challenge. So they asked someone how to spell Armageddon and he, he took, he, he could not spell Armageddon. There's uh, there was two G's in Armageddon and, oh, it, and, and he's a Southern guy. But when you started talking about this, it just, brought me back to that where the why is yeah yep I, I believe it as i saw it happen this week hold on a second now bryce come on in here breaking brig brat brian brian and braffle come on <laughs> okay. down here sit down we got to talk about something now look it's tuesday night what you guys get off school every damn week every damn weekday same time what do we do tuesdays at four o'clock that's right we talk about how we're going to disrupt three four when we come off the stretch now look you got a left tackle coming off you better know where to run an egg at Come on, this is family time. We ain't going to waste time. What you think we are, Joey and Augie Elkhorn? We ain't out here talking about that. This is football family time. Let's go. My goodness. You sound like right. Buddy Stevens. Buddy Stevens? I grew up with Buddy Stevens. He used to go to Lake Elm with my sister. I married his daughter-in-law. How do you know Bruce Stevens? Throw a dead gummit in there. And your buddy, that's damn Buddy Stevens jump on the show. You can throw a dad gum. I'm going to throw a dad Don Gorn is what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. (laughs) Buddy goddamn Steven just jumped on the show. Last chance you. Uh, Those are my people, man. I am surrounded by them, and I love them as much as they love me. Texas, Oklahoma State, on your TV dial, ABC 7 o'clock Central, Texas time, God's time, 5 o'clock Heathen's time, L.A. time. You're welcome for that, Joey. Boys, that about does it. Time to bring in the music. Do you, what do we got? Do you think Close you guys are, Oh. Oh, are we going to ram it this weekend? We're going to ram it. Here, here's the thing. Here's what I'm worried about. The Packers might ram it, too. Yeah. Oh. No. that's. We'll talk about getting rammed it next week. This week, we'll yeah. not get rammed. Next week, we're going to get the deal. I hope Bryce and Brecken ram it this weekend. Oh, oh, oh Barden. He rammed it right out of the end zone. He rammed Corey Littleton's block punt right out of the end. Bryce he sure got stop ramming it. Uh, I want to apologize to all, to, to all the listeners out there for um, only being on for 15 minutes. <laughs> it's <that incredible. laughs> We're at an hour and a half. Joey was on this podcast for two and a half minutes. Who, question. Yeah. Does Corey Littleton ram it more than any other ram? Corey Littleton rammed yes. it all night. He does. Yeah. He is. I think, does he ram it more than Aaron? I think Corey Littleton might ram it more than Aaron Donald. I think he, he rams it more than Mark Barron. Ask, ask, uh, ask a bait about that. I think we will. Boys, I'll see y'all next all right. week. Hey, go, go on, ram it. I'll see y'all later. Yeah,
heels, take a look at my stock. I catch what they throw me and I like the block. I'm quick off the line as I can be, cause I don't want dick running over me. This is baby face and I don't yield. I'm a Texan fool on the football field. From the Jersey Shore to Baboa Bay. If you run at me, you'll have a bad day. This is RB, no speedball brown. Fastest man in the whole damn town. Cars and ladies are a part of my creed, but more than that, I feel the need for speed. Out to make a run. With shades on, I can catch a BB in the dark. So now you're ready, and I'm sure you'll agree. The ramming is fun when you're ramming with me. Uh, what's up? Hey, Mr. Whitworth. Oh, how's it going, Eddie Jared? What I told you is go on, put them shoes down over there. You need to go sit down, have yourself a little. Uh, we got cheesecake. You can go ahead and start with. That's an appetizer, what we call it down on Monroe. Have yourself a piece. Oh. All right, cool. I mean, I've I've had cheesecake. Now, you ain't never had nothing like this, besides, I told you, you can't talk until you walk. Go ahead, take a few steps over that table. Yeah, there you go. Ask Miss Hager what's going on over there. That's Brandon Hager, B-Y-R-Y-N-Y-D-Y. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.